Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we are back playing Horror on the Orient Express. I'd like to thank you for listening, and those of you especially who are backing our patron at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast is where you can jump in and offer to support the show, especially if you're enjoying what you're hearing. If you enjoy watching content, you can do that over on YouTube, over at The Old Ways Podcast on YouTube, which is where we've got live events and Q&A with some of the very cast members you'll be listening to shortly, plus new features that um, are in the works. So go ahead, subscribe, and help us reach 1,000 subscribers where we're going to give away a pretty amazing prize. So for now, we will get to introductions, which will begin to my right. Hi there, this is Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser. And I've got the key. You do. You do indeed have the key to the forloin where you are hoping that there is something very, very important inside that you have been searching for. To Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, this is Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm not enjoying all the fire and bodies around for once. This has got to be a first at the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm the reason why there's all the fire around. And it didn't work, but you know what? They say, try, try again. Mm. I mean, if there's nothing else then um, to say about that specific, then I would just mention that there's an awful lot of alcohol here in the saloon car. To Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger. And I think the argument could be made that we're all equally to blame for this. You know, usually that's the first thing the guilty do is globalize all of the faults. So I'll appreciate you doing that. And we'll see what happens now that the prince that was promised has now become a slightly nasty little ghoul. And last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And uh, finally, if Richard gets stuck in the future, he can always teleport himself to a tailor. That's a fantastic little thing that you've discovered and you've worked out. I'm sure that it won't lead to long-term madness potential radioactivity, or any of the other calamities that I have in mind for you. So when we last saw our investigating crew, the lights had just gone out in the dining car, just as Mr. Fraser had put that key into the keyhole and turned it to unlock the door. You've never opened, you've never unlocked a door and had it elicit screaming before, James. But that is exactly what happens. The swift click of that door elicits screams and shouts, uncanny and unbelievable fears crop up behind you. They ride up your back and they cause you to bunch your shoulders up a little bit, which, oh, right where that tiger bite was. I'm choosing to take the perspective that it's not the, the, the click of the key in the lock that is causing these screams. It's something else 
purely coincidental. The lights have gone out in the dining car. Well, maybe that's got something to do with it. I think uh, after a brief swear, I will pull out a box of matches from my pocket and, uh, and light one. I also want to see where Simon is because it's it's occurred to me that he's a lot stronger than I am uh, and the stake that I'm holding in my hand might be better placed in his. That's a good question. Mr. Griffith, um, given your proximity to both flammable liquids and um, the rest of your investigating group, where are you? Well, you did say that the flammable liquids are at the bar near the back of the car, which is near the door that we are currently at. Oh, yes. So I will, of course, be palming a couple of these bottles for use. I'm afraid that Simon cannot help these people if they don't listen to him, much as he'd love to. But paint dogs are nothing to mess with, and um, he's going to let Jim go first. He can always fire over his shoulder. All right. You strike the match, Mr. Fraser, and what then... Press the door open. Rather than do that immediately, I, I'm going to shout over my shoulder to um, the attendant. Candles! Do you have any candles? No, quickly. We need them. We need the light. Uh, yes. He reaches down and grabs a couple of probably four-inch candles, white candles that are meant to be placed in the table-setting centerpieces. Grab one of those, light it, and... Either I'll distribute or I'll get him to distribute them to other people. Get them a light, so we've got a bit more light from these. And then, Simon, here, take this. I'm going to pass him the stake. Get a long piece, about a two-foot piece of wood that has one end that has been viciously sharpened into a point. What? What's this for, Jim? When the time comes, you'll know. I'll shout out. It's to deal with the Comte. What am I supposed to do? Stick him with this? Through the heart, man. Through the heart. No hesitation. But wait for my signal. Can't I just shoot his head off? No, that won't work. And that I'll just turn <laughs> and start going into the other carriage. All right, uh, Mike, I'm rolling a cult because I am trying to figure out. I don't think I know anything about vampires. It's not something big in Appalachian lore. Mm hmm. Apparently, I have read all the books on vampires with this one on a cult. Okay, take five points of luck. Um, you have not read all the books on vampires. So what I will say is that you have heard in some of, we'll just say Granny's stories from the old country, that there were these beings which feasted upon the flesh of man and the blood, and that uh, the only way to deal with them was to staple them to a tree uh, using a, a, a spike of some sort, perhaps a sharp tree branch, and then to cut their head off. Professor, J Jim's telling me that the Comte is a vampire. Um, there's something not quite right about him, that's for sure. He wants me to stick him. You got something to stick him with? Um, no. No, I'm afraid I don't. Can I snap a chair leg off for him? <laughs> you can break a chair leg? Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not hard. Here you go, Professor. Now, now, be on your guard. Apparently, these vampires are dangerous. My granny used to tell me about them. We're supposed to stick them and then bury them face down at a crossroads so the devil won't come for them. Are you serious, man? I mean, this thing was. Um, 
it, it was ripping my throat out, and now I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I think your idea of burning was was much, much better. Well, you can't burn hates. I don't know why. I was trying to burn the car, not the hate, but that's not going to work. I mean, fire could work on maybe a vampire, but you know, you know what? Let's just go follow Jim. So, Fraser, you've had a chance to step into this space a little bit. Yeah. The furloin here is filled with, as you could imagine, many, many steamer trunks. Right. Let's start with this one and work our way through. I'm going to uh, have a look around and see if there's anything I can use to um, maybe try and prise these open or dismantle them as in as swift fashion as possible. Give me a luck roll. Alrighty. That's 29, which is a successful luck roll. Ooh, fantastic. Uh, you do end up finding a crowbar. Perfect. And I shall get to work. I'll shout through to the others. Come and give me a hand with this. I would have moved on in there while the other two boys were going on and on about vampires and haints and all those other things. Okay, you go in. The furline is fairly large. It's almost as large as a full compartment car. And it is filled, essentially, um, from bottom to top with racks that hold steamer trunks. So I think what I'll do, bearing in mind that I've got a crowbar and her ladyship doesn't, is I'll just try and break the trunks open but not actually look inside them or do anything like that and I'll move just move on to the next one so that Lady Elizabeth can can check to see if this this is looks like a likely one or no this is not this one try and work through in a teamwork fashion if possible if I can ask are you having Lady Elizabeth then hold the candle that's a very good point actually yes somebody will need to hold the candle I'll hold the candle then if he passes it you step in and you begin going in a very methodical manner, beginning to open these steamer trunks. Miss Ballinger, you eventually reach the dining car. This is a spot where several guests have collected. They're pushed against the walls. They've, they've moved chairs to try to stay away from where the Orient Express staff member is with a, a shotgun waiting at the door. He implores you to come inside for safety. You've had to wade your way through two different cars, which were in sort of different states of conflagration. One way worse than the other. As I'm traveling through the car, I'm telling people like, you have to, you have to hide. He's coming. He's coming for all of us. Have you, have you seen my companions? Have you seen any, any of my friends? And I would kind of describe them. Most of the people that you meet along the way that are still in their compartments are in a strange state of the best thing I could say would be lunacy. So in some cars, you find people who have just completely clawed the walls out of fear. They've broken windows. There's one compartment where a man failed to jump out of the window and has sort of impaled himself on the glass and is bleeding to death. Likely there's nothing you can do about it. Some of the people just, they don't want to answer the door. You're knocking, trying to find your friends. It's very disconcerting. There are also a couple of large, I guess the, the best way to put it would be gelatinous masses on the floor that sort of sit and bubble and burn, like sizzle. Mm -hmm. You think there might be people inside them? 
But you're not sure? I would avoid touching them at all costs. When I get to the dining car, the gentleman with the gun, does he seem still with it more so than in other people? Um, He's probably a good maybe minute or two from completely losing his shit. Sir, you have to you have to help me. You have to find my 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 friends. They may have traveled through here. He uh, looks back towards the back of the dining car and says, "Uh, there's the people came through here. I, I I told them to get him back." Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes, protect these people. Get them hid, hidden. He's coming. He's coming for all of us. And I would rush off to wherever. Who's coming? I wouldn't even respond. I would just want rush off. You get to the back of the dining car where. Simon is likely going through some some bottles and is equipping the professor with a broken table leg. It looks like all is lost. Professor Courtney is still bleeding from his multiple gunshot wounds. He looks like he's going to pass out at any moment. Oh, good, you're all still alive. I was worried. <sighs> he's he's coming for us though. He's he he attacked me and he tried to I don't know, he tried to to drink from me or something. He seemed to be getting on perfectly well with you when I, uh, I, well, I did see what happened. I, I did hear you. Well, then you'll know that I was attacked. No, I mean before that. It was rather an ugly uh, scene. Which part? Uh, it was the part slightly before I got, well, shot. Oh, you were shot. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, that's ho- horrible. What are we... What are we going to do? What are you? What is? What? Are, what is the plan? I've no idea. I have some ideas, but um, I don't know. Mister Fraser is uh, busy doing something back there. Simon thinks that fire will hold them back. I don't know. What do you think? So what? We're gonna burn the whole train down? I don't. I have no idea. I've tried to warn people as I come that he's 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 after us, and uh, I fear he's going to to drain us entirely. He wasn't after you. He was, um, well... No, he attacked me. Richard looks really unconvinced. Do you see? I have this rip on, this tear on my dress here. Richard, give me a psychology roll. Oh, yes, yes. 53. But unfortunately, I believe that's a pass. So, in the first sort of blush moment, you don't want to, you don't want to believe that she's telling the truth. But then sort of the, the way she appears and the, the fervency of her retelling of it, it it's probably true. It, it's likely true that he attacked her. But doesn't something seem off? She was trying to change the subject a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. Sure. But she's not lying when she says that he attacked her. But you would also pick up on the fact that she's changed the subject. <laughs> Maggie is about as good of a liar. Her face hides about as much as Miranda's does on any given day. Fraser, Lady Elizabeth, Simon, are you all right? Richard's been shot. Do do we hear all of this from inside the other compartment? Miss Bellinger has a very specific tone range. So she's loud and she's attention grabbing. And so it is likely that you would hear her in the baggage cart. Between James ripping open other people's possessions. And honestly, once I found Richard, I would just be shouting out for everyone else, assuming that they're around. We're through here. Come and help us. I'll rush into the next compartment. Okay, you rush in. 
Has anyone seen the haint dog? Oh, I did, but not recently. When did you get here? Just just now. I I was just telling Richard I've been a, I was attacked by the Comte himself. And I think he I think he needs needs our lives or something for to gain power. I don't know. Uh, she, she's all yours, Professor. I, I'm going to go help Chip. Is Paul with you? Paul's up the other end. Oh, good, good. Okay, you keep ripping into trunks. Now, keep in mind that there's an awful lot to get into. So if you're there and if Maggie is there and Lady Elizabeth is there, and I, I think in a way, or at least close enough, so is Professor and, and Simon, you can't be in the dining car and the furloin and have this conversation. So you'll have had to have been in the forlorn to have this conversation. I think that was my assumption. I'm just making sure we're all clear on that factoid. Yep. The screams begin again from the dining car. Uh, they pick up pretty quickly. You hear a gun go off. And then another male voice in a death rattle that is really gut-wrenching. Come on, everyone. Lend a hand. Yeah, Maggie will help look through all these things that are being torn open. All right. So what I'm going to say is that finding this object is going to take a little bit of luck. So to do so, Mr. Fraser, you're going to have to make me a successful luck roll because of the sheer number of trunks and uh, boxes and all sorts of things that are available here. Here we go. That is not a successful luck roll. Nowhere, nowhere near it. You've made one roll and you've failed to find it. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't other rolls, but just for the moment, you have not found it yet. The door to the furloin, which is shut because you wouldn't have left it open, it buckles inward. You hear the frame of the door crack. He's coming. Either that or the dog. Well, if, if it's the dog, then I don't even want to think. Let's just keep going. Simon, get, get your gun. Professor, I've got two hands. I've got one for this candle and the other for the stake. The gun is slung over my shoulder. What do you expect me to do? Carry it in my mouth? I don't know. Give the professor the, your candle. Professor, you hold two candles, one in each hand. Simon, you get your gun in one hand and the stake in the other. That's a good idea. And I'll rip open another trunk. All right. Why don't you stick your stake uh, in your waistband or something? Don't hurt yourself. Ah, I'll be fine, I think. The door buckles again. From your position, Lady Elizabeth, the frame of that door and the door itself are likely not going to be very long for this world. Can I try and help Fraser a bit with looking for anything that's maybe bigger than just the, the steamer trunks or would be better able to hold a body yeah you certainly can so searching for them in the amount of it will take a little bit of the light away from the available space and so it's going to require a luck roll to find the proper box that you're looking for or steamer trunk five luck yeah no 74 over five not gonna happen you are searching though right mm-hmm so we will be able to say now that two people are actively searching for the box. I was searching as well. Oh, were you now? Well, I'm helping search. How are you helping? By looking through the things that Fraser's popping open. Okay. 
So I'll, I'll give you a luck roll as well, Miss Bellinger. With my, I mean, with my hands free of candles, I can certainly help. Who has all this, these candles now? Uh, don't you worry, though. I rolled a 53, 33 or a 53, and I have 29 luck. Okay. At the end of the forloin, where you'd come from, I should say, the door you'd come, you'd come in from, it breaks open. The door splits in half. And a stream of people come in. Each one of these people have glowing red eyes and sunken cheeks. Their bodies have been ripped down to their cores. No clothes, long slash marks on their skin. They're openly bleeding. And three of these people rush into the room desperate to touch, grab, and bite anyone they can. And so, we will go into initiative orders. It's at this point, when, on your initiative, if you're going to continue searching, you will have to tell me that you're going to keep looking. If you take another action, you'll be pulled away from actually searching. Do I get plus 50 for having the shotgun in my hand? Yeah. If you are prepared to use it on this round, yes. Oh, yes. I'm just going to point and shoot. It's That's what a shotgun is for. So that that is always the caveat with any firearm. You only get the plus 50 if you're going to use it on, the, on your turn. And Simon drops the stake to drop the stock of the shotgun in his hand, point, and he knows he doesn't really have to aim and shoot. And that is a seven under... 50. Okay. Is that a critical? Yeah, absolutely. So you'll impale the first person that you shoot with that shotgun. So it'll be 24 plus roll damage. Another 13. Okay. Yeah, they're dead. The blasphemy shotgun basically saws them in half. So this is a double barrel shotgun, which means you will have to open the breach after you fire the second shot from it. If memory serves correctly, you don't have any more 12-gauge ammo on you either. No, I didn't bother to grab any off of that. I just grabbed the gun, so I figured I only had whatever rounds were in loaded away. Yep, absolutely. Alrighty. So, Miss Bellinger, you are the highest initiative score after Simon. Yes, and being a lover, not a fighter, I'm going to continue to search. Here are you now. Okay, very well. So, a luck roll, if you would. Uh, no, there's a 58. You are continuing to fervently search as these people, creatures, rush in. So, Simon, you have done the yeoman's work of eliminating one of these, and now the other two are going to attempt to eat you. Well, it's it's a cone, so only one of them was in the cone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because only one of them could be shot as they were coming through the doorway You've definitely dispatched that person. Part of them is on the left and part of them is on the right. So, like Moses, you've split them like the sea. Unfortunately, the other two people behind them also get to act. Okay. Dodge or fight back. I would accept fight back because you have the shotgun in hand and could use it as a club. Fight back. You will need to make one fight rack roll, and then you'll need to make another at disadvantage. 
Okay, the first one's an 83, so that's a fail. Second one, at disadvantage, is also a fail. Okay. All right. You are going to get clawed and then bit. So the claw attack is five damage. The bite attack is only two damage, but that is a successful grapple. So they're two dinner goers from not but an hour ago. Gone are there um, any vestiges of their humanity and their desperate and hungry eyes and fingers land themselves directly in your path. One, the woman, a brunette woman, jumps on your back and she latches onto your the back end of your neck and you can feel her mouth puncture your skin. Teeth dig in real hard to the juicy bits of your flesh by your spine. Her fellow dinner attendee, perhaps her escort for the night, rips at your chest, opening up a long gash wound on your stomach. And that is their action. So now we'll fall to you, Lady Elizabeth. Gonna keep looking as fast as possible. Okay, very good. You know the drill. Best of luck. 24 over 5. Okay. You continue your search. There have now been five total searches, both Fraser and Lady Elizabeth twice, and Miss Bellinger as well. So it should be six then. I've just done it once. Oh, have you just done it once? So five it is. And then 60. So that would be you, Mr. Fraser. Yep, I'm continuing to search. Unless I'm actively being attacked, I'm continuing to search. Is um, Richard the only person with any source of light now? Now that the rest of us are, or or is Lady Elizabeth searching with one hand and holding a candle with the other? Basically, she's searching with one hand and holding a candle with the other. It seems like, if and I don't want to speak out of school here, but it seems like what they're trying to do is go through the stuff you have already opened. So they're working behind you to go through these things as they go. What a team. Here we go. That is a 30 under my luck of a 33. Ooh. You dig hard into one of these big steam trunks. And when you do, unlike the other ones, it does not give way. So you go into the side of this steamer trunk by the lid. You've probably popped six, 10, 12 of them by now. You've lost count. Uh, your brain isn't letting you keep track. Not that you care at this point. And when you hit the side of this steamer trunk, you hit something hard, like wood. And you look down just for a moment at this steamer trunk and you realize that this trunk takes up two berths here, not just one. I think I've found it. Come, come here and give me a hand with this one. I think this is it. So Richard on a 50. Uh, so carefully holding one candle, Richard will get out his stake and attempt to stab one of these others with it. Oh, one of the other uh, creatures. So the man or the woman. Which one's closer to Simon? Well, they're both engaged in melee combat. Which one's physically closer? I mean, technically speaking, the woman, because she's biting his neck. Yeah, let's give for her then. That's a good excuse. For, uh... So I'm going to give you an advantage die on that, Professor. Because all of her attention is focused on something else. The fact that it was a 99 doesn't count. No, it does not. It certainly, certainly does not. Okay, so yeah, you just miss. You don't hit Simon. 
which is good. But when you move down with a stabbing motion with the stake, it's one of these times that Simon Simon's turning and trying to get her, probably trying to get her off of off of his back. I don't think Richard's heart's in it really, and he's hurting somewhat. He's been shot a couple of times. So. All right, very good. So that is the end of the round. So I'm going to ask a very important question. Simon, are you going to continue to use the shotgun to shoot this round? Simon is going to be using the shotgun as a club for the moment, since he's in hand-to-hand. But first things first, he's going to try and swing against the wall with the racks and try and scrape the woman off his back while holding the shotgun in front of him to hopefully prevent any more people from clawing his chest. Okay, so hang on one second. What is your dex normally? Dex is 80. Okay, so because you're not using the firearm, you don't get the 50 points bonus, which means the first action falls to Miss Bellinger on 85. Yes, I would rush to Fraser said that he thinks that this one is the one I would rush over to help open it because he was just cracking things open and cracking things and we were opening it and he spotted this one to help him open it and access whatever's inside okay yeah you can help him are you trying to take it essentially take it off the out of the rack you trying to lift it out yes if that yeah so that we can have access to it that's what I'll try and do okay So let me ask you just for cinematic purposes, Fraser, are you going to assist her with doing that? Yes. Okay. So on 80, Simon, go right ahead and uh, attempt to, I guess, fighting brawl your way off of this this lady who's um, taking you for a ride. Okay. Like I said, I'm going to try and scrape her off my back. Yep. That's a fail from me. Okay. She manages to hang on. So um, I'll get to her action in just a second. You failed to scrape her off of you. You can feel the pain in your neck beginning to amplify. So on 70, her dinner companion is going to also attempt to bite you. You are free to attempt to dodge or fight back with disadvantage because you're engaged in a grapple with another combatant. I will dodge. In this case, that would look probably more like a block with the shotgun that I'm holding. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a 45 under 50. I rolled a 25 and a 45. Okay. Yeah, so same level of success. I'll say that um, you are able to, to block him momentarily with the shotgun. At least keep him at bay. You sort of use the stock of it to, to keep him from getting too close to you. The brunette that's attached to the back of your neck with her teeth, she gets her hands around your shoulders and you feel this immense amount of pain sourced directly at the back of your neck and shoulder. You take 14 points of strength damage as she vacuums blood out of your body like a lamprey. A little help over here, People! Lady Elizabeth. So the case is on the ground where we can see into it? Yeah, it's just sort of lands, the, the, the case lands with a thump. It has not been opened yet. Okay. Little busy right now. He's yelling at Simon. 
Because I haven't seen what's happening. My back's to him. We're pulling this case down. I guess I'm gonna hold my candles ready because we have to make sure he's in there. We're expecting his physical form to be in there. Is that correct? Or are we just trying to destroy the coffin itself? I'm not sure I quite understood what Paul Paul was telling us. Yeah, I, th I think I'll, I'll probably shout out, we need to destroy the coffin. If we, if we destroy the coffin, we can kill him. I'm going to set my candle to the wood on the wood in the, on, of the coffin then. Okay, so it, it is going to take you a little while to get the, the coffin to, or the, the box to begin to burn. Um, it's a candle, so it doesn't have a whole lot of heat temperature-wise, and so it's going to take a little bit of time. That said, it is now your action, Mr. Fraser. So I was helping Maggie get the, the, the trunk and its contents down. Does that mean that that's, that's what I'm going to have to do for my action? Or is it possible to, you know, if I can see that Simon's in trouble, I've now hopefully found what we're looking for, so I might be able to um, divert my attention to assist him. I think that I'm a fair and equitable enough keeper to let you take your action. The trunk is down on the ground, and so if you'd like to do something that isn't playing with a bunch of wood and leather, you can. All right, I think I'll just shout, Richard, help the ladies, destroy the coffin. And then the Lupara will come out and I will level it at one of these um, poor, innocent passengers who are in their panic, clambering all over Simon. Yep, go ahead. So I have got the BDI talent, which means I do not take a penalty for firing into melee. That's good. I've also got effectively a short muzzle weapon, which means I get a um, bonus die for point blank range. I'm, I'm guessing that I'm within 15 feet or so of these. Certainly. Or I should say you could get yourself within 15. Yep. I'll get up, up close and personal and whichever one looks like it's attached to Simon or the most threatening one is the one that will get hopefully one of these shots in it. Okay. That is a... So that's a hard success, but yeah, that's a success. That's nine points of damage. Oh, very good, very good, very good. You, am I just picking who you're shooting? Um, if there's one that's actually attached to Simon just now, that's the one I'm shooting. Okay, very good. Uh, you shoot. This is the brunette uh, on his back. You fire, and the sickening part for you is that she doesn't react to being shot. You do an awful lot of damage to her. I know that would kill a person, so this is clearly not a person, which is, in a sense, a good thing, because I don't want to kill a person, really. Speaking of people who might not be people, Richard, on 50. So Richard is going to assist with the taking down of the, the case, which might be as, as much as holding a candle. The large sort of case that's been taken off the wall from its holding spot is already down on the ground and Lady Elizabeth is already trying to set it on fire with a with a wee candle. Is that is that what you're helping with? Is there any more alcohol around? Back in the dining car, yeah, you bet. Okay, Richard's gonna go and grab a bottle of something strong. Okay. You're gonna go grab a bottle of something strong. Are you sure you wanna do that? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's the logical thing to do. You take your move and you head out around this weird melee that's going on. You don't know what's going on. And you step out 
from the forloin into the dining car and standing at the bar is Comp Fenelik. Although his visage has totally changed. He's no longer the proper Frenchman aristocrat. He is a sickening monster, devoid of any charisma. And he says, Professor, we meet again. Is that the end of Richard's turn, or can he do something else? Oh, oh yeah, you bet. Okay. You can reach for a bottle, but that'll be what you're doing. We'll go back up here to the top of the round. Miss Ballinger on 85. Yes. So I have had flask on my character sheet in my possessions. Okay. What are the chances that I have that on me now and could use that to help start a fire? I don't know. I guess I'm going to ask you, the player, a question. How likely would it be that Maggie might have a, we'll say, hip or thigh flask that she might carry around with her? Historically, Maggie has drank heavily at a number of times, which is what I think makes it more likely. Yes, so we'll also surmise that we'll just say that she's carrying in that flask likely something potent that Aunt Edith gave her before leaving London. Mm-hmm. Just to take the edge off. Just to take the edge. Certainly. All right. So you, um, you'll have to, yeah, clearly just, you know, go up the skirt and grab the flask and give it a shake and see what's in it. Done that a time or two. That's what I'll, I'll do. I will snag my thigh flask and to see if there's enough in it that I can pour it on uh, the wood to get the candle to light a little bit better. Okay. I don't think there's any role for this. I think while Lady Elizabeth, while you're trying to very carefully burn things, we see Maggie put her foot and, you know, sort of leg up on top of the ste- the steamer trunk. And she goes and you see her remove a flask from under her dress and just slowly begin pouring it all over the top of this thing. And there's a whoosh that covers the fighting in the background as the trunk and the wood itself lights ablaze. That is a well-prepared character. Simon, you seem to have a couple of friends on you still. It is your action on 80. All right. Well, Simon is going to drop the shotgun and just literally grab the woman on his shoulders and rip her off like a coat or something. Yeah, it's a contested um, fighting, fighting brawl role versus her. Make sure that you make any adjustments as far as your loss of strength goes. Oh, yeah. That is a 39 under 50. I rolled a two. You try to pull her off. And like some crazed lamprey or crab or whatever she is, she has a vicious hold on you and is refusing to let go. And then on 70, she is going to continue doing exactly what she was doing before. And that'll take another 16 points of strength from you. And then her compatriot is going to attempt to open your guts up. Now that is a roll you can dodge. 32 under 53. All right. You dodge that. They have severely weakened you. You can feel it. You're not only losing blood, but physically you're beginning to feel tired. Yeah, Simon's almost as weak as the professor now. Almost. Speaking of the professor, professor, 
Well, it's not your action yet. There is somebody else in the room who does get an action. It's not good. It's not. It's not good, no. So you came out from the Forloin car to get bottles. So because I have the higher initiative than you, Richard, I'd like to know what you're planning on doing. Because I'm going to see it coming. Right. So I was going to ask if the Comte looked particularly hurt. I mean, he looks like half his face has been melted off and he's missing his nose and hurt is relative. Yeah. But these aren't recent things, are they? You've, ne- you've never seen him before like this. But does he does he bear any sort of resemblance to Guillaume? He does not bear any resemblance to Guillaume. Okay. Guillaume is a little bit more bestial. And also he was a little hairier, to be perfectly honest. Right, okay. The comp's hair is still perfect. So physically, like, what physical actions would Richard be doing, if any? I think Richard would be... Hmm, probably turning around and going back in. Okay, very good. So dodge or fight back, your choice. I'm going to go for fight back. You're going to go for fight back? He's got better fighting brawl than dodge. Okay, go ahead. Is this the part where I can get to spend luck? Yeah, you could spend luck here if you'd like. Cool. Well, the good the good thing about narrowly missing a roll when your stat's terrible anyway is that you can burn luck in it. Not that much to get it down. So, so I rolled a 38, which has got a fighting ball of 34. So do I know whether I'd need to make that an extreme or a hard or... I suppose I'll offer you that you would need a hard success to make it a success. Okay, well, that's cool. So I would need a 17, got a 38, so I would need 21. I'm under 30 luck anyway, so let's get rid of those 21 points of luck and make that hard success. Okay, you make the hard success. He swipes at you with his hand, and what he gets is the back of that brown jacket that you wear, the blue jacket that you wear, and you feel his nails rake across your jacket, but it doesn't do any appreciable damage. Mm-hmm. All right. That was his action. So, Lady Elizabeth, you're setting fires again. Yes. Yes, we are. Funny how that seems to happen. So it's merrily ablaze now with the alcohol. Is that correct? The blaze has begun. Blaze has begun. Okay. Is there anything around me I can add to it that would make the fire burn hotter? Or, well, not hotter, but faster, adding more to it. Do you really, do you, you want me to honestly answer that? Yes. Clothes, textiles. I didn't say your clothes. I said clothes. There's trunks open around us. There's got to be something I can add to it. Oh, yeah. The silks. There's tons of different textiles. You could go through all sorts of things and just lob them on to try to get it to burn hotter and faster. That's what I'm doing. Okay. You are intensifying the fire. Color me shocked. Uh, Mr. Fraser on 60. Simon is beginning to pale. It occurs to Fraser these things are trying to bite into Simon's neck. He seems to be weakening. But maybe the gunshot wound did nothing to this this creature that was a human being and maybe he needs to plunge a stake through its heart so he's going to grab a stake off the ground and run into the melee and try and 
plunge this stake through the heart of the vampire that is currently in close combat with uh, with Simon, the brunette. The brunette. So you're going to stab this woman in the back. I'm going to stab this vampire through the heart. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, of course. She's clearly not a woman anymore, if she ever was one. She's a demon masquerading as a human being. Interesting. That's my perspective, and I'm sticking to it. It is a hill I will die on. Right, so I'm going to give this a shot and see what happens. So this is just be a fighting ball, I take it. Yeah, it will be. That's um, not anywhere near a success. It's a wild swipe. Oh, I like wild swipes. That's fun. So you swipe and miss. Very good. Professor, you have run away in the true Monty Python sense. And you are now heading back into the Forloin, where there is, again, this melee, which it looks like Fraser has joined. What are you doing? Um, uh, the comp's in the bar. Is it, he's in the bar. Lori, we... Uh, didn't you say we have to destroy this thing so that he could... So that he... We could kill him then? I, I'm not quite sure what's going on, but, um... He's in the bar. Well, that's great, Richard, but that doesn't really help us at all. Right. Barricade the door so he can't get in, possibly. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's, that's, a, that's a good idea. What are you going to barricade the door with? Uh, some trunks that are on the floor. There are an awful lot of trunks. You begin barricading the door. That isn't a bad idea. At least at the moment. Okay. So, Miss Bellinger, round four. I... Since Richard's doing my action that I told him to do, I will assist Richard, if I can, in barricading this door because the comp scares the absolute shit out of me right now. And I don't think... I mean, my initial thought was to run through the car, like get as far away in the opposite direction, but we have to burn this thing and fully destroy it. So a barricade feels like a good... Okay. So the two of you are going to barricade a little faster. That's not a bad idea. I'll say that you're able to stack up 1d6 trunks in that time. And that number is five. That's a good, good number of trunks. You stack up, we'll just say maybe three or four high, maybe a couple deep. Just trying to do what you can to make sure that there's some type of barrier between you and the walking undead. All right, very good. Uh, Simon on 80. Jim is here. He's he's trying to help. You can tell. I'm still trying to pull this bitch off my back. And I only say that because I have had 30 points of strength sucked out of me. Yeah, it's like a Friday night, right? And that's a mess. So that was that. Now it is their action. There's a man with a shotgun here, but they're both crazed, so they don't really, they're not going to really give... I care very much about it. Would you care to make a dodge roll, Simon? Versus getting slashed and cut up. Oh, uh, that is a 16 under 53, so that's a hard success. Okay, so equal success. So I will say that in this tie, you, the defender, will get out of the way, which is good. You've dodged that man three times in a row. That's pretty good. Being that you're still grappled, you're going to lose another 15 points of strength. So, Maggie and Richard, something collides with the trunk wall. Maggie will brace her back against the trunks and, like, put her weight into it to try to 
further brace it. Seems reasonable. What's Maggie's size? Maggie's size is 55. Okay. And Professor, what's your size? Also 55. Okay. Very good. So I'm going to let one of you make a strength roll. I will give you an advantage die for that roll. And you'll roll versus the comp strength as he tries to break in. Have at it, Richard. Oh, God. Uh, Richard's not very strong. Neither's Maggie. Maggie also has a disadvantage die every time she rolls. Yep, and my strength's only 35. Cool. Okay, Richard's is 40. Um, That's not a good one. So that's 95. Let's hope the other one... uh... Oh, 75. Well, I mean, it's still useless. All right. You get flung, both of you, backwards as trunks and clothes and boots and odds and ends begin to go everywhere. The first sort of fourth or third of this forloin as you would go into it is now scattered with all sorts of things. And standing there in the doorway where the the breach you had tried to hold is the comp. And it is now Lady Elizabeth's turn on 64. Okay, so the fire is blazing. Yes. How far along does the process look to be? It's getting going pretty well. I mean, you're not really sure the rules here. Like, is it um, that the whole thing has to burn or is it... Um, that's the, the trouble, right? You don't know what you're supposed to do. Although, you could make an occult roll. Okay. Occult is one of my good skills, so here's hoping. That's an extreme success. In all of your studies, if someone was like a saint was buried someplace they would be buried and interred in someplace like sacred ground and so if the inverse is true and this is sort of infernal or well cursed ground then what you really need to do is scatter it you need to make sure that it's you know it, it can, it's not contained anywhere and so burning it is one thing maybe if you had something real hard and heavy you could you could break this coffin and scatter it and that might be enough. Did Fraser drop the crowbar when he pulled the gun out? Yeah, I did too. Okay, so gr- gonna grab the crowbar and start ripping this thing as best as I can, just like flinging. Flinging fiery bits of wood all over the furloin. This sounds like a fantastic idea. You're gonna burn this car down too. The coffin was already on fire, therefore other things were bound to be on fire soon enough. Yes, this is the, it was on fire when I got here. Mr. Fraser. If I can see out the corner of my eye that Lady Elizabeth is still in the process of destroying the coffin, then the chances are charging at the Comte is not going to be the best course of action just yet. So I am going to make another attempt to stake this um, creature that is um, sucking the life out of my friend. Yeah, go go for it. That is a hard success. Ooh, very good. Um, the target cannot fight back or dodge, so go ahead. So what damage does a stake do? It's going to do a d6. Aim this thing for as close to the heart as I can possibly get, and with all the strength I have, push it through this creature's ribcage. And I did five points of damage. Ooh, very good. So two things happen. One is very good, the other is very bad in a grand scheme of things. The first is, stake plunges into this woman's back. And when it does, you feel 
and this is sort of the sickening part, you feel it pass between certain parts of her ribs. You can feel the the stake align its way through her ribs because of the motion that you're making. Or maybe that's a, a shoulder blade or something. There's some sort of bone you hit. Moments after hitting that, a gout of blood comes out of her. Like a full-on fire hose of blood comes out of her. Coating you and coating that area of the car. The last bit is super important. And that is, she lets go of Simon as she collapses to the ground. Unfortunately, because you've done five or more points of damage with the stake, the stake itself is not usable anymore. It breaks inside of her. I wasn't entirely sure whether I'd be able to pull it out of her or not anyway. But you, for the moment, have staved off death when it comes to Simon. For the moment. Professor, you have very recently been pushed back onto the floor here in the furloin. The the comp is no more than 10 to 15 feet from you. He looks ravenous. He's going to go for the Compte with the stake. Okay. The Compte's going to get him next round anyway, so if he gets a jump on him, that's got to be better. That's his thinking. Okay. Oh, you're never going to believe this. That was a good roll. Was it a good roll? How good? It was a 0-4. Oh, that's good. All right, so let's see here have a lot of options. This dodge is pretty good. His everything is actually sort of pretty good. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'll go claw. Carry it away. It's definitely a success, but it isn't a high enough level of success. Okay, Richard. So how much damage? Stake does d6. d6. Four hit points. That's not terrible. You stab him. Um, he looks shocked. Good. Ah! He coughs. Away, you fiend. Miss Bellinger on 85. Yeah, so Miss Bellinger has been thrown back from this door and I imagine has kind of fallen to the ground and seeing him enter is after being attacked by him is absolutely terrifying. Now there is a door at the other end of this compartment. There is, but before you head for the door or even consider it, you do get to watch Richard stab the comp with a stake. Yeah, very manly. Very impressive. I'll bank that one for later. You'll probably need to. I imagine it's Maggie is on the floor. She's like crawling like clawing at the floor to try to get away from him. This is not the first time she's been attacked by him, and she still thinks that those ghost hands that choked her out were also him, so yeah. She's like frantically clawing her way towards the other end of the compartment to get as far away from him as she can. Okay, very good. You'll easily be able to get to the other end of the compartment. You pass um, Lady Elizabeth, who is feverishly beating this coffin with a crowbar trying to break it up. Crawling behind her. Right. Okay, very good. Uh, So Simon on 80. Simon, you are no longer being, we'll just say, lovingly um, neck bitten. Simon is 
holding a hand to the gaping wound on his neck and curling into a ball and trying to scooch himself as far underneath one of the luggage racks as possible. I don't think Simon has ever been in this much of a weakened state since he was a teen. Okay. You're diving for cover, essentially. Um, not Not in the firearm sense, but you are going for cover because you're in a real bad way. That makes sense to me. It's a very human action. For the more vampiric type, the man who had been turned into some sort of possessed creature is diving directly under there for you to try to rip and tear you apart. You can dodge or fight back your choice. Oh, Simon's dodging. There's no doubt. Okay. Simon failed that one. Okay. So that's seven points of damage. The sounds that this thing makes are um, animalistic at best. The, the fingers aren't fingers anymore. They are claws. The teeth are barely human. They have protrusions that bite along your side and nibble at your flesh, desperate for the blood that's in your body. Lady Elizabeth, are you going to continue beating the coffin? Yes, I'm going to pull bits out and hit it and all sorts of things, Any like going into mindless rage as best as I can, trying to get rid of this thing, because I am, as she's thinking, fucking tired of this. Okay. If you can pass a strength roll, I'll let you break the coffin this turn. Oh, God. And you're going to do it with disadvantage, because the hand of fate is going to step in. With my 38 strength. Okay, well, the first one was a pass. Thanks, Hand of Fate. Okay, so it's a pass either way. It's now just a regular success. Okay. So you'll finish your... On the end of your turn, you'll have broken the coffin open wide enough to consider the coffin desecrated and no longer usable. Very important point in our story. Mr. Fraser on 60. Okay, so I've got a choice here whether to go for the Comte, who is standing facing Richard off, or to go for this young vampire fellow who is um, attacking the gravely wounded Simon. I'm assuming that I can't tell whether or not her ladyship has managed to destroy the, the fully destroy the coffin. No, you can't tell. You can spend the turn looking. Fuck that. Is there anything immediately to hand that looks like I could use it as a stake. No. Right, I'm just going to have to shoot this thing with my Lupara then. And hope and hope that it does something to it. You have BDI, so you're not going to worry about the disadvantage die. You're like the only person that should ever make this shot because there's like a, normally like a 50-50 chance you're going to hit Simon with a shotgun round. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to get close enough that Basically, I'm, I'm standing right beside it and blasting into it if I can in order to get that bonus die. Basically. Yeah, go ahead. A success. Okay, roll damage. 14 points of damage. Okay. There's an enormous boom from that shotgun. It radiates around the room. It deafens temporarily most people nearby, uh, as most shotgun rounds would. The underside of this, well, this place where they once held steamer trunk luggage is awash in blood and gore. More to the point, is this thing still moving? It isn't at the moment, no. Okay, 
Richard, you have a problem. Richard has more than one problem. He does, but there's a problem directly in front of him that is going to cause him to have a problem. Yes. The Comte will remove the stake, and with a deafness that belies most human beings, he will flip it and say, how do you like it? Oh, no. Uh, you may dodge or fight back, sir. Although I don't know what you would fight back with. You may dodge unless you have another melee weapon. I think probably probably the dodging. That didn't go too well. No? It was a 38 over 25. That's probably not going well for you then? No. No. I will spend a hand of fate for you and allow you a reroll. An entire reroll or just the tens die? Whichever is the most beneficial to you, the player. Uh, both. I don't think 38's... You're not going to believe that. It's zero two. Oh, very well. You dodge, and the front half of your dress shirt and your well, the, the jacket, the suit jacket has been torn to shreds now. But at least the trousers are still intact. For now, it's your action, Richard. Oh no! Is the stake in a position where Richard could grab it and basically pull a compt on the compt? No, no, no. He's still holding it. Ah, okay. Is there anything else around that Richard could use as a stake? Probably not. So no, there's nothing around really that is resembles a stake that you could use. I think Richard's going to roll under one of these shelves in the same manner that Simon did to try and sort of hide. Okay, fair enough. It'll take your action, but you roll under to gain cover. Yep. Cover is good. Miss Bellinger, you reached the end of the car on your action. I feel like it was a panic. Trying to get, put some put some distance between me and the comp. Now that I'm back here, can I rifle through people's stuff to try to find some sort of weapon? Certainly. So the way I would normally use this in any situation is this, this is a luck roll. Because um, there's no search specific skill. Spot hidden wouldn't really do enough for you. It's also kind of dark back here. <laughs> no, it's a 96. Miss Billinger, I'm going to spend a hand of fate for you and I'm going to make that a success. Okay. You find something a little strange in one of these cases. Mm-hmm. And it is a very large hunting knife. Oh. You can go ahead and thank your backer for that. You now have a weapon. Thank you. All right, that's your action. Simon on 80, you are covered in gore. Your ears are ringing. You feel like you've never been sicker before in your life. The room is spinning and you're desperate to just be left alone. Oh yeah, this is as bad as when Paps used to beat me. It's your action if you're taking it. Well, can Simon reach out from underneath the rack and grasp the shotgun that he dropped? Yeah, certainly. Okay, and he's going to get it ready. Okay, so there's a single shell in that. Mm-hmm. He's aware of that. Okay, very good. On 70, the perforated body next to you, Simon, twitches. So, Lady Elizabeth, on your action, um, you're free to move about the cabin as necessary. You set things on fire. The coffin is clearly destroyed 
And so now you're in the forloin with, well, your compatriots, and at one end is the comp, and he does not look very happy. I don't think my little 22 is going to do much of anything. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull back to Maggie and stay out of the way of any potential shotgun blasts, etc. Okay. And see what happens. Mr. Fraser, on your turn, I'm going to offer you a spot hidden roll. I will take that. I will very gratefully take that for whatever purpose it may serve. That's a normal success. In the hell and the chaos here, you see standing there, not far from where Richard once was, the comp. There is now no one in between you and him. But that's not what catches your eye. What catches your eye is the form moving behind the comp from the dining car into the furloin. And through just the last vestiges of of the firelight that exists inside the dining car from those candles that were lit, you can see Paul running into the furloin. Steak in hand? You bet. Okay. So I think I'm going to try and distract the Comte. Okay. In what way? I'm going to stride up to him with my best swagger and punch him squarely in the jaw. But just, yeah, I'm really, I'm just trying to take his full attention. I'm absolutely certain this will do no harm to him. But given that he is immensely egotistical, I think that he will want to retaliate in some fashion. It's called fighting back. Well, I, I, I'm meaning more, more uh, on you know when when it's his turn to act. He will either either want to gloat and and mock me or attack me. Either way, he won't be looking out for Paul. That's that's my that's my tactic anyway. That's what's going through Fraser's head. Okay, fair enough. You can make your fighting brawl roll. I will make a fight back roll. Of course. That is a hard success. Very good. So I have an extreme. Oh, well, that, that's, um, that, that, that's, yes, that wins then, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, sir, it does. You swing on the comp, just as you would any other man that you were looking to lay low. You don't feel like you overexert yourself. You know, you, you're still thrumming with a ton of adrenaline, and you cock back and you swing. And the horror that happens happens directly in front of you. You watch the comp, watch your fist come in. He doesn't look you in the eye. He watches your hand and just moves just effortlessly to the side. And then his right hand buries itself in your stomach. Claws first. Ouch. Nine points damage. Okay. Kind of reel back from that. It hurts, but I'm still on my feet. He says, James, you should know better. You can't blame a man for trying, eh? Come, Fenulik. All right. So that is your turn. Richard, you're hiding. Yes. Still hiding underneath there? Yeah, Richard wants to do more, but there's no stake. Yep, I understand. I understand. So unless there's any um, objections, I'm going to narrow the focus of this last couple rounds. 
given the fact that Simon and the professor have moved undercover, that no one is pursuing them currently, and that Maggie and Lady Elizabeth have taken a position back behind everything in hopes just that this war will sometime end, the cop is going to get one action before Paul gets his. And what he is going to do is attempt to end the life of James Robert Trickster. I rather suspected that might be the case. Yes, sir. It is on you. So dodge and fight back are your options. Oh, I should be dodging. That's a fail. And there's no way I've got enough luck to spend to make that a success. He rakes with his left hand across your face and shreds the flesh, making you own that appearance roll. Damage roll is pretty light, all things considered. So that's five points damage. Okay, I take that claw across me. Blood starts gouting out of me rather than just being coating me as it has been (laughs) for the last couple of moments. Five damage, you say, yeah? Yep, five damage. Okay. It's um, it's on the low end, let's put it that way. But more importantly now, um, Paul is going to take his action. With Fraser providing a distinct distraction, Paul is going to attempt to stake the comp the add advantage for it. He gets the roll in. So he stabs him in the back. You see the stake come all the way through his chest. And there's sort of this immediate physical asphyxiation. In Paul's right hand, that stake squirms a little bit as the comp wriggles. And you see Paul reach out his left hand sort of through the space between the comp's arm and his body. And he extends to you this single glass vial. And since he doesn't have action, he's going to have to drop it. And I'm going to require a dexterity roll for you to grab it. Okay, here we go. That is a hard success. You grab the vial. Because he's momentarily, for a round, incapacitated. Because he's been fully staked with his coffin having been destroyed, Paul leans forward and puts his body weight into the comp to land him on the ground. What he's essentially going to do is enter into a grapple with a paralyzed target, which is good because the comp strength is 160. Fucking hell. So Paul's not likely to win a strength roll against the comp who's not paralyzed. You hear Paul's voice sort of take to the air and he says, pour it on him, pour it on him. We need to cut his head off. I... I'm right here. I'm ready. Rod around at this point. Yeah, I am going to pull the stopper out of the, the, the vial and just start sprinkling it all over him. I'm also going to kind of straddle him as well to assist Paul in holding him down um, while, I, while I pour this holy water over him. Does Paul appear to have uh, a knife on him? He doesn't. We need a knife! Maggie will rush up with the knife that she has. Do it, do it, do it. You see Paul reach up and pull the last bits of the comp's hair together in his fist. And he sort of angles the head back. Cut it off, cut it off. Yeah, I was saying Maggie doesn't like it, but she takes the knife in both hands and overhead and starts chopping down through the comp's throat. Okay, this is a strength roll, Miss Bellinger. I'm sure that it is. It's strength in a number of ways, physical and mental and emotional. 
the hand of fate is going is going to put you at advantage for this roll. Okay. Does that is it equaling out my disadvantage? It is. It is. It will give you a straight standard roll with it. I'm going to start reciting the Lord's prayer. 72 over 35. Okay, so you can continue to do damage, but you're not, you haven't cut it off yet. Yeah. And that part of that is probably the fact that I'm so torn about it that I'm just haphazardly stabbing into his throat, which isn't doing a good job at cutting through. So a very um, viscous form of blood is beginning to go everywhere. It's it's thick and it sticks to things almost like jelly, although it's got some more viscosity than that. It's getting everywhere. And you can hear this pained, strained voice from inside the comp that is desperate to get out. And standing there watching things, Lady Elizabeth, you see the comp's body is trying to push back to literally push the stake out of his body. And Paul is starting to struggle to stay on top, even though obviously Fraser's helping as well to, to try to keep it that way. Help us hold him. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I'm gonna rush in to assist. Okay. Well, with three people on him, and in the, in the way he is, he's not really able to, to get to get up. Um, but it's gonna still take a successful strength Roman Bellinger to cut his head off. And that's on you. Yep, it sure is. Uh, 91. Okay. You keep sawing at it. The problem that you're having is that the handle of the blade now is so sticky that you, you can't get a good grip on it now. Your your hands are covered with blood and his his neck has turned and you can see one of his eyes is staring at you. And there's almost a pained why. And it's a little gut-wrenching for a moment. And then you remember he's a total monster and you can move on with your life. Try to kill me. Hmm. Yeah, there is that. For those of you around, Fraser and Elizabeth, you'd you'd see that there are some there's some difficulties. This is this is going on way too long. I'll um, reach out my hand to Maggie, and I'll grab hold of her hand with my hand. Together, as Ballinger. Together. Yes, thank you, Fraser. All right, so um, you can make a roll, Miss Bellinger, with an assist from Mr. Fraser. Okay which will give you half a better chance then. I'm going to blow the luck. It's a 41 over 35. I will spend six luck to make it a success. Okay. You give everything you have and more. And there's finally this feeling of release from the sinew and the flesh and the bone and the head finally comes off of this decrepit creature. And there is an enormous exhale from so many people in the room. The twitching body by you, Simon, lays rest finally. And the hum of the tracks eases us into our fade to black. And so thank you for joining us on this episode of Horror on the Orient Express. Constantinople awaits.